Welcome to the Informed Traveler Podcast, part of the Informed Traveler Radio Show, which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. It's a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. In a few moments, we'll check in with our resident travel expert and good friend, Onanta Forbes, who was in Tofino, B.C. last week. So I'm interested in seeing how the vaccine passports worked in B.C., plus learn a little bit about the area of Tofino. And Jasper's Dark Sky Festival is coming up in a few weeks, so we'll find out more about that and some of the events planned. And then we'll chat with the folks from the Mob Museum in Las Vegas. It was one of the highlights of my recent visit to Las Vegas, so we'll give you some more insight on that. But as I mentioned, our good friend and regular guest, travel expert Onanta Forbes, recently traveled to Tofino, B.C. So Onanta joins us now. You can follow her on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Onanta Forbes. And onantaforbes.com is her website. Hi, Onanta. Hi, Randy. And I, it feels like forever since I've talked to you. <laughs> I know. Well, we're, we're traveling all over the place. I was in Las Vegas. You were in Tofino. I love Tofino. I've never been there, but I've heard so much about it. And I just love it just for the fact that uh, so many people have been there. And so it's high on my list to go anyway. So, so tell us about Tofino. Uh, let's go from start to finish. Um, what you had to do to, to prepare to go there, because I know they have their vaccine passports and, and so on. So, so tell us. Right. So it is a very popular destination for Canadians and people throughout the world, and you should go. But um, a few things I wanted to share with our listeners is that, yeah, to be prepared, because you have to take lots of masks, because everywhere you go, when, when you go inside of a place, you need to wear a mask. You should have your proof of COVID immunization record with you, whether it's in hard copy or saved on your mobile device, as well as a government-issued picture ID. Um, They will ask you for it um, when you check into your accommodations, when you book your tour and you start a tour that you go on, and if you are going to have dinner in a restaurant or an eating establishment. Now, one thing I really do want to... um, Um, point out is that right now the island as well as many places in Canada is experiencing a massive staff shortage and that affects dining capacity service levels and reservation ability like some of the um, uh, restaurants are closed like two days a week and they just can't cover the ship oh really so yeah so it's really and I um and it's it can get frustrating so you really have to pack your patience and if you know when you're going to Tofino, I would book before you even leave home different restaurants to go to. And um, because even for lunch, one time uh, we went and it was after lunch hour. It was like a 45 minute to an hour wait. Really? So, wow. Yeah. So I, that's one thing that really was um, glaring for me. And when I'm hungry, I want to eat. I want to wait. <laughs> you get to be uh, hangry Onanta. <laughs> that is it. <laughs> and my partner can attest to that. <laughs> so uh, we we flew to Victoria, and then we drove up to uh, Tofino. Now, this is another thing we've talked about in the past, is make sure you book your car rental well in advance. Mm. Number one, to make sure you get a car when um, you arrive. And also, the earlier book, the, the better the price is. It's still expensive, but um, closer to your arrival date um, can get really, really expensive. So keep that in mind. And also, the drive to um, 
casino takes about roughly four to five hours, depending on weather and road work. And it's actually one of the highlights of your your holiday because it you drive along the Pacific Rim Highway and it's certainly long and windy, but it's got these gorgeous views of cedar groves, rainforests, and 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 seawater inlet like the ocean and such. So it's absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Be aware that there is a road construction a major upgrade at Kennedy Hill on. Um, <clears throat> Highway 4, and it's only about approximately 14 kilometers northeast of the Tofino-Eucalypt Highway 4 junction, but it reduces to one lane. You have to be sure that you know when the road is closed, so 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. in the morning, and then 11 to um, a.m. to 3 p.m. during the week days. And it, you, you'll need to add like an hour um, more to your travel time because of these um, constructions and these closures. Mm. Um, well, that's good you, to know. Do we know how long that construction is going to last? Like, is it a year-long thing or something? Well, one of the residents says that's been going on for five years. So oh it's been gosh. going on for five. <laughs> Probably in their mind has, but it's not going to be finished anytime soon. They yeah. are like um, really breaking down the road, road and such. So, oh, okay. um, be prepared for that. Um, so, you know, we got to Tofino um, in good time of the day. And if you've never been to Tofino, I would definitely recommend that you wander around the town and get your bearings. You're going to realize that it's pretty compact. It's like only 2,000 residents and about a 10-minute walk from coast to coast. If you haven't already booked your tours, you may want to do it as soon as you arrive. All the tour companies are in the center of town. And what we did is we went on a whale watching tour. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was good. It was Jamie's Whale Whaling Station. It's the oldest company in Tofino. And it was, um, again, you have to wear your mask, you know, um, Mm -hmm. and be careful and be responsible. And you have to show your your vaccination immunization um, record. So be prepared for that. Mm -hmm. But it was fun. We didn't actually see a whale breach or anything, but saw presence of whales with their spraying and such. Oh, so cool. It was neat. And yeah. hopefully, if you do go, and I hope you do go, you'll see that. <clears throat> and then there's lots of places to take um, hikes or walks um, when you're in Tofino and around the area. Mm-hmm. So, all, you know, you're on vacation, so you want to make sure you fuel up before you start the day. And a good place for that breakfast pastries with common loaf bake shop. And then you can go on a stroll along the Tonkin Trail, um, three kilometers. You go through cedar rainforest. You go into three different beaches and bays, and you can stop and beach comb and paddle and hopefully spot some dolphins along the shore. Oh, nice. And if, and if you only eat one thing while you're in casino, you got to try um, this famous taco spot. It's called Tacofino. It's it's a food truck. It's in this nice little village area between like the Wiccanish Inn and and, and Tofino. The queues are always expensive. It's but the food is so good. I had a <laughs> uh, fish taco. Mm-hmm. It's really good. And so again, pack your patience. But the end result is yummy, mm-hmm. really yummy. And then of course in Tofino, it's known as the surfing capital of Canada. Yes. So a very popular destination is surfing, and 
Um, if you want to give it a go, there's lots of surf companies that you can book a surf lesson with, and they all serve you well. There's not much difference in price, and everybody's in a wetsuit and keeps you warmer than you think because it is um, it is the ocean, and it's it just. Look, I didn't try it, but you saw lots of uh, surfing schools and. Just walking along the beach is, um, it's just part of the atmosphere. It's really, mm. it's really a fun thing to do. One of my favorite activities, um, that we did it for a day was we rented some bikes and it was from, uh, TOF cycles, tons of fun. <laughs> and it was owned by Mark and Abby, who, what I really liked about this company, they brought the bikes right to where we were staying. Oh, great. So, it was good. So you didn't have to think about, oh, my gosh, where do, do I drive their park yeah. and then go on the bike? This was um, a great feature of this company. Um, and he arrives with the bike, Mark. He goes through a map and chart and tie table. He kind of shows you how the bike works as far as assist with seat height and health and helmet fitting. And then um, off we went, and we explored three different beaches um, Cox Bay Beach, Chesterman Beach, and Mackenzie Beach. It was so much fun. Like, riding along the beach, you see the surf coming in. Oh, cool. Uh, it's like doggy heaven. So if you want to go to <laughs> Savino and bring your dog, they will love you forever. <laughs> they, it, it was so much fun. And then, you, you know, after the beaches, we continued our, our ride into Tofino, and we stopped by the Botanical Gardens. And then had lunch in Tofino. So it was a really nice day before we headed back. And, mm-hmm. and then this company came and picked the bike up. So it was just so seamless for you. Oh, nice. Very seamless. And for places to eat, if you're not staying at the Wiccanish Inn, you, pardon me, you might want to um, um, check out the Point Reservation or the Point uh, Restaurant, mm-hmm. which has this amazing view of the Pacific Ocean and has this really nice menu of um, local seafood and game, farm-to-fresh organic uh, produce. They are out of town, so if you don't fancy driving, you consider booking their shuttle service, mm-hmm. but well worth it. Um, the Wiccanish Inn is an amazing property. Um, if, you, uh, it's, uh, if you can, stay there, do. It's very lovely. It's a, it's a luxury hotel. Mm-hmm. We've had them actually on the show talking about the Wiccanish, so... Yeah, yeah, it sounds amazing. like a fabulous place to stay. Yes, I would definitely recommend it. Well, that's good. It sounds like it was a fantastic trip. I can't wait for the photos on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook where they can follow you at Onanda Forbes, or they can check out your website, onandaforbes.com. Uh, always great to chat, uh, Onanta. Uh, you bet. Take care, Randy. Have a good week. <laughs> Jasper's Dark Sky Festival is coming up in a few weeks, running from October 15th to the 24th. It's a fun event where the whole town gets involved, so here to tell us more about it is Nikki Wilson. She is the festival host for the Jasper Dark Sky Festival. The website is jasperdarksky.travel. Hi, Nikki. Hi, Randy. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. How long has this been running now? Uh, this will be our 11th year. Um, I can't believe it. Yeah, it's been over a decade. Time flies when you're having fun, right? Um, now, that being said, I'm seeing more and more areas being declared uh, dark sky preserves. Uh, is that what they're called? You're, you're officially a dark sky preserve, right? 
Yes. So how does that happen? How, like, do you just call yourself a dark sky preserve, or is there sort of a set of protocols or things you have to do to to, to get that to get that declaration? Yes, there definitely is. So the title is awarded by the Royal Astronomical Society, and um, there's a lot of paperwork involved and meeting of criteria. So you have to have certain levels of darkness in certain areas. Really, that's to preserve the ability to see the night sky and and people's relationship to the night sky. And then in the town site, for example, we have to work towards certain kinds of lighting and cutting down on light pollution. So yes, there are a number of criteria to meet. Um, It's not always the easiest designation to get. Mm -hmm. Well, I was there last year. It really is a cool event and the whole town uh, gets involved, doesn't it? Yeah, it's really been well supported by the community, um, which has been wonderful. And in turn, Tourism Jasper has you know, supported a lot of school programs and that kind of thing. So it's really kind of becoming part of our identity, which is which is really fun. So how tough has it been to uh, plan in the past year for an event when things change so much with COVID rules and, uh, and that sort of stuff? Well, I have to tell you um, that our producer and our organizing body, Foundry, does a lot of that work. And my hat is off to them. It's a lot of scrambling and um, having to be incredibly patient and flexible. So we're just very, very grateful that they've taken on the work. And likewise, um, the parts that Tourism Jasper are picking up as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But definitely, I know we've all been living it, right? Flexibility is the name of the game. (laughs) (laughs) If we're not used to it by now, we should be anyway. (laughs) Well, your website is jasperdarksky.travel. There's lots of information on there. So I imagine it gets up all the time if things change. But let's talk about some of the events that are uh, coming up for this year. Is there anything new compared to last year? Um, yeah, there. so there's a lot of outdoor offerings. And one of the things that I'm really excited about is Pakisiman. It's, uh, that's the Cree word for sunset. And so on the second weekend, um, it will kick off, I believe it's at 5 or 5.30, out at Lake Annette. And it will be a Cree ceremony where we can watch uh, a teepee being raised. There'll be hand drumming and singing by the warrior women who are just, their voices are just incredible. Um, It's a community powwow. So I'm really excited about that. And it's a free event. You just have to sign up for the parking because that's the limitation at Lake Annette. So I'm really excited for that new event. Mm -hmm. Well, there is a lot of free events, right? And a lot of things you can do on your own as well as scheduled events. Yeah, absolutely. Um, There's a lot of self-directed events and family-friendly activities you can do outside. Um, For example, I didn't know this until recently, Jasper has at least 20 geocaches in the town site and I think over 100 in the park. And so that's something you can do by just simply downloading an app and, and it's pretty fun and it's for all ages and abilities. Um, there'll be a bio blitz with Wisest, which is um, uh, women in science, engineering, and STEM and technology from the University of Alberta. And uh, you can just download an app for that and be part of a group who's collecting data just by taking pictures out in the park. Um, Dylan Toymaker will be back with his beautiful lantern walk. So there's a ton to do outside at your own pace. Mm-hmm. Well, we should remind people of the dates <laughs> when it runs. <laughs> come. Um, The festival's running October 15th 
to 24th. There are events kind of going on all month, but those are uh, that's where the concentration of events will be occurring. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some of the scheduled ones um, that you have to have tickets for or that type of thing. Sure. Um, this year's headliners are Rob Meyerson, who's the CEO of Delaloon Space. And actually, prior to that, he helped uh, grow the space company for Jeff Bezos of Amazon. Um, so he has a lot of uh, know-how. <laughs> he knows a lot about the industry. I think it'll be really fascinating because he'll be talking to Adam Stelzner, who is the chief engineer of NASA's current Mars Perseverance mission. So that's the new rover on Mars. And they're really going to get into, you know, there's this real push to get into space, and it's exciting. Um, but also, should we be doing it? How should we be doing it? Um, how, what is our relationship to Earth if we move out into the cosmos? So I think that's going to be a really engaging um, debate. Well, I don't know about debate, but lots mm-hmm. of discussion between those two. Yeah. Well, one of the cool things that uh, I did last year is the planetarium. They, they have uh, really set that up cool, and it's Kind of outdoorsy, so there is the social distancing going on. Is that the same kind of idea you got going this year? Yes, um, they've been really good about that. And uh, the planetarium is always a magical experience. Um, so I, that's another event we highly like recommend, um, especially because, you know, if it's cloudy out, um, it's a nice way to see the stars. And the interpreters there know a ton about it and are, are great storytellers, so... I think that's a really nice one. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that I did last year uh, is do a night walk tour. And uh, really, like when you live in the city, you don't realize how many stars are out there. But you could actually see some of the planets, too. It really is cool. Yeah, it's great if you can get out. to. There's a number of events. If, again, you go to the website you mentioned and click on the events, there's a number of those kinds of opportunities, guided opportunities to get out, as well as a lot of astrophotography or um, photography-related events with people who know a lot about the stars. Um, so there's a number of ways to get out and do that and learn a little something. As well, there'll be opportunities to look through telescopes with um, some folks from the Royal Astronomical Society and I believe from the planetarium, so you can get a little more up close and personal with the stars that way as well. Mm-hmm. And even on these uh, night tours, which I found out last year, with a good pair of binoculars, you can see uh, Saturn. Like you, you can you can tell that it's Saturn with the rings around it. it is it's really cool. Yeah, I actually didn't know that, Randy. That's super cool. Yeah, this is why it's so great to be able to go out with <laughs> someone who studies this stuff. And now you've got me thinking I need to get out there myself. And, <laughs> and, and now on, I'm looking again on your website, jasperdarksky.travel. There's a couple of helicopter tours. Were those uh, available in the past years? Um, I feel like those are relatively new if, if they were there last year, it would have been the first year. But um, but yes, newish to the festival, mm-hmm. absolutely. I know they do do other tours like throughout the year. Um, but yeah, it's an exciting kind of opportunity to get out and see the park and and other features in a different way. Uh, and of course, well, I guess the best way to get tickets for those events is just to get them online from your website, right? Yes, and I've been getting 
a lot of emails about ticket availability. So if you go to that website and the tickets aren't on sale yet, just keep checking back. Um, you know, as we've been tweaking things with the new restrictions and that kind of thing, sometimes we've had to rejig how the tickets are printed or presented and that kind of thing. So thanks to everyone for your patience and, and just, yeah, check back and we'll get them there eventually if they're not there already. What's your favorite event? Oh. <laughs> Put you on the spot. <laughs> it's like yeah. asking, who's your favorite child? <laughs> I, know, I know. Luckily, I only have one, Randy. But, <laughs> but, uh, but it's hard at this festival. I mean, it's hard to go wrong with the symphony under the stars. It's just so magical sitting by Jasper Park Lodge. And, um, I really do love the energy at these big um, events where we talk about new and exciting ideas like we will be with Rob and and Adam this year. Um, I just find there's so much positivity and passion and sort of um, excitement for the future. Mm-hmm. And in the past couple of years, like that feels really good to be around. Um, so I think I'm really looking forward to being around the visitors and, and that kind of energy again. Well, it sounds like a lot of fun. Here's hoping for clear skies and uh, not cloudy yeah. ones. That always helps, too. Yeah. It's the uh, Jasper Dark Sky Festival. Again, it's October 15th to 24th. You can find all the information on their website, jasperdarksky.travel. And Nikki Wilson is the festival host. You'll probably see her there if you go uh, of the Jasper Dark Sky Fe- Festival. It was fun chatting with you, Nikki. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much, Randy. You have a great day. Well, if you recall last week, I was sharing my visit to Las Vegas, Nevada, attending the IPW Travel Conference, and part of that trip included a tour of the Mob Museum. It's a fascinating place to spend a few hours in Las Vegas, so I thought I would get someone on to tell you more about the museum and some of the artifacts on display. So joining us now to do that is Claire White. She's the Educational Programs Manager at the Mob Museum in Las Vegas, Nevada. The website is themobmuseum.org. Hi, Claire. Hi, Randy. Thank you so much for having me. How long has the Mob Museum been open now? We opened on February 14th, 2012 in downtown Las Vegas. Uh, We picked February 14th as the anniversary of the infamous St. Valentine's Day Massacre in Chicago, which took place in 1929. And uh, we've just kept expanding since then. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a cool place. I loved it. Uh, it. It took me about two or three hours. I kind of lost track of time when I was walking through there. Through there, and we will talk about the Saint Valentine's Day massacre uh, display that you have uh, there. But uh, the building itself is is a story, right? And the role it had to play when it comes to the history of organized crime. Yes. We are very lucky that we are located within the original federal courthouse and post office for the city of Las Vegas. We are just a few blocks from uh, Las Vegas's downtown Fremont Street District, where the giant LED light canopy is. And just a couple blocks away, you know, it's, it's still a little bit more of a quieter neighborhood. We're still downtown, but we 
are lucky to be in this historical building that's exactly where it originally was. And the building itself is very much a part of organized crime history, not only because we were the site for a number of uh, federal district court cases related to mobsters, but because on November 15, 1950, we were one of uh, 14 sites for the U.S. Senate Kefauver Committee hearings, which investigated the role of organized crime on interstate commerce in the 50s. And that is a big part of the tour, learning that whole story of how the the government fought back against organized crime. But let's just review the experience overall, how the tour begins. Um, You have three (laughs) three levels. You start at the top, and and it basically is a chronological following, right? That's correct, yes. We have, like you said, three full floors of traditional exhibits. And then we also have a basement, which is a working speakeasy and distillery, but also provides some additional historical exhibits as well. Let's talk about some of those historical exhibits and displays. St. Valentine's Day, it's the one that kind of smacks you in the face almost literally when you see that wall. Tell us the story about that. Yes. So on February 14th of 1929, seven members of the George Bugs Moran uh, Northside Gang in Chicago were gunned down by associates connected to Al Capone's Southside Gang. And the wall in which uh, these men were, were murdered is now on display in the Mob Museum. It took place in this garage in what was actually sort of a quiet suburban neighborhood of Chicago at the time, but it was used by the Northside Gang as one of their uh, liquor hideouts, this garage. And so once the massacre took place, the the people who had been renting it clearly got out of town. And it was really challenging to rent the space out. So by the 1960s, the owner decided to just tear down the garage. And instead of getting rid of the bricks, they sold them off. At uh, They essentially did an auction and the man who purchased them his name was George Patey who was from Vancouver and he wanted to create this traveling exhibit that would go around both Canada and the states and he really envisioned this as as this you know revolutionary idea of moving the museum around the <laughs> around the two countries but it just didn't really take off he wound up putting the bricks uh, he he had a grid, so he knew each time he would tear them down exactly where to put them back up in order. And he wound up putting them in the men's restroom of a Vancouver nightclub. And then <laughs> <laughs> when that closed, his his family, his, his children and his nieces and nephews sort of inherited it. And around the time that the museum here was being developed, one of his nieces lives in a neighboring community, Henderson, here in southern Nevada. And she said, hey, hey, I can, I can facilitate getting you those bricks if you want to put them on display. So we have the majority of them on display, um, arranged ex- exactly as they would have been in the actual wall. And it's really, for us, it's one of our premier artifacts. Mm-hmm. It is a visual representation of that of that rise in crime that happened during Prohibition. Prohibition was the best thing that ever happened to organized crime in the United States, but it was also the first time that the average American sort of realized, oh gosh, this is something that I, I, I need to be aware of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not only that, there's also the autopsy reports from the, yes. the guys that were killed. I mean, it really is, a, 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 for 
lack of a better term, a really cool display, even though, I mean, it's <laughs> kind of morbid. The thing I liked about the your museum, though, is that you can spend as much time as you want or as little time as you want. Like, if you want to move on really quickly, you can. But there's so many different things. There's videos and audio of recordings of conversations between gangsters. Yeah. And there's so much there that, that really you can immerse yourself into. Exactly. The average guest probably spends about 90 minutes to two hours visiting the museum. But like you said, if you can speed through. We've had people do it in an hour. Uh, we also have many guests who spend four or five hours, especially if they go down into our speakeasy. They may <laughs> sit for a couple of drinks and tack on another hour after that. And there is, there's, we really try to create something that appeals to anyone, regardless of their uh, prior knowledge of the mob, regardless of their generation. We've got videos. As you said, we've got old wiretap recordings that people can listen to, as well as a lot of traditional museum artifacts and exhibits. And there is a Las Vegas connection, too, to the mob. Uh, Briefly tell us about that. Yes. So... Las Vegas predates the mob. We actually started out as a railroad town. And in 1931, the whole state of Nevada uh, passed legal gambling, which at the time was unheard of in the United States. No other state had a statewide um, uh, legal allowance for gambling. And that was sort of perfect timing for uh, the mob to infiltrate that industry. Uh, By 1931, we're coming up on the tail end of Prohibition. Prohibition ends in 33. And mobsters know how to do a couple of things really well. They know how to run gambling rackets. They know how to run casinos. They know how to run nightclubs and brothels and all of these other (laughs) things that gets them thinking, huh, in Las Vegas, I can do what I'm good at and I can do it legally, but I can still make a little something extra by just skimming off the top and avoiding paying taxes on all of my casino earnings. And so by the by the late 1930s and early 1940s, we see a handful of mobsters uh, coming in, traveling and, and settling here in Nevada from Southern California, from Chicago. Uh, later on, we have mobsters who come from New York and Cleveland and Kansas City. And these individuals really are are drawn to this opportunity to use some of their skills that they've obtained illegally uh, to run legitimate businesses. And it's, you know, casinos are a perfect money laundering front. They are perfect for (laughs) for funneling illegally gained income in and out. And we should uh, point out that's not the way Las Vegas operates now, is it? (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. In the 1960s, we had a number of of legal uh, shifts that made it easier for corporations to run casinos. Before the 1960s, it was really challenging not only to get a gaming license, but also to get banks to finance any sort of loans for casinos. And so as they, as those things start to change in the 60s and moving into the 70s, uh, the mob gets pushed out. They're slow. They're slow to go. Uh, we certainly still have a mob influence in Las Vegas <laughs> as late as the 80s and, and even some outliers in the early 90s. 
but it is no longer like that. Today, our casinos are entirely run by legitimate corporations. <laughs> uh, one of the other cool things, I didn't get a chance to do it, though, is the crime lab and the firearms training simulator. Uh, I didn't get a chance to yes. do those, but those are, they look like they're really cool. They are so much fun. They are both uh, very immersive, hands-on exhibits. Our crime lab, I'm partial to. I love the forensic science stuff, and I worked pretty, uh, I was pretty active in the exhibition development for that one, so I, I am partial to it. Our crime lab allows you to sort of see the real side of forensic science, so for anyone who's a true crime fan or, you know, an NCIS fan, any of those shows, um, our crime lab lets you see what those technologies and, and sciences really look like. People are able to explore uh, fingerprint analysis, DNA profiling, uh, medical examination, crime scene investigation, and forensic ballistics. And there are hands-on interactives for each. So, for instance, with fingerprints, you can analyze what print type you have and then get matched to a mobster who had a similar uh, fingerprint. (laughs) Well, if you're a true crime fan or just a history buff in general, uh, you'll love the Mob Museum. Uh, Claire White is Educational Programs Manager at the Mob Museum in Las Vegas. We could go on, Claire, because there's so many other things, but people just have to check out your website, themobmuseum.org. It was fun chatting, Claire. Thank you so much. It was great. Thank you so much, Randy. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website, theinformedtraveler.org. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know, leave a review, tell a friend, or you can drop me a line. My email is randy at theinformedtraveler.org. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler or follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.com.